0: I'm Donica Contour, and this is Naptime Devotionals, episode 88, If the Lord Be God, Follow Him, studying 1 Kings chapters 17 through 19. Welcome to Naptime Devotionals, a come-follow-me study for busy moms. I'm your host, Donica Contour. I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm a wife. I'm a mom. I'm a daughter of God, just trying to get home, and I hope that something I say here today will help you on your journey home, too. All right. Hello, hello, hello. Um, we're just going to jump into it. We got a couple of things to talk about. First Kings, uh, chapter 17 through 19 has a lot of cool stuff happening. And, um, we're going to start off in chapter 17 verses five through nine. Um, this is, um, I'm going to give you just kind of a brief, like, oh, we're talking about this because like I said, a lot of things happen in these verses. So this is Elijah. He's hanging out by the brook. The ravens are bringing him food, right? And in these verses um, basically that stops happening as well. (laughs) And I remember reading this and thinking, it's really cool how we know that the Lord will provide for us. We know that he will provide for us continually, but we also like, this is a fantastic example, example that the way he provides for us is not continual. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. So in this case, like with Elijah, right, he was drinking from this brook and then he had, um, some ravens bringing him basically some bread and meat. Um, and the brook dries up, the ravens stop and Elijah is commanded to move to another place. There's going to be a widow woman that she's already been prepared, um, to help you make sure you've got something to eat. So he goes, right? And this is such a good testimony of how, once again, the Lord will provide for us, but the way he provides for us may not be continual, right? We're like, hey, listen, um, that whole ravens and the brook thing, that's working out real well for me. Could we just keep doing that? And he's like, nope, you got work to do. You've got stuff you got to do. I'm going to need you to keep moving. You'll still have food. I'm still going to make sure you're provided for it. But um, this this, this brook has dried up. It's time to move on. Um, and that's why it's important to stay continually connected with our heavenly father and with our savior through prayer, through fasting, through scripture study and making sure that we are continually listening and obeying the things that we are being told and asked to do, right? So, he moves along, we find the widow woman. Now we're in verses still chapter 17, verses 11 through 17. Um in the come follow me, it uh, it says, "Put yourself in the widow woman's shoes." You know, how is she how does she impress you? How does she, you know, and it it talks a little bit about, about her and about how, um, we've had opportunities, like think back on our own lives, think about the opportunities we've had to sacrifice. Um, and I was thinking about this on the plane. Actually, I went to, um, San Antonio, Texas. I almost said San Antonio, Vegas. My layover was in Vegas, San Antonio, Texas, um, last week. And so I was sitting on the plane thinking about this. Um, and, It occurred to me when she went to make that last meal right before Elijah shows up, she's thinking, okay, I have enough flour or meal or whatever it is, right, that she's got enough oil, um, to make two little cakes and that's it. And so I'm going to eat one and my son is going to eat one and then we're going to die. That's the plan. (laughs) Like that's okay. That's what we're going to do. Um, and, um, and so they they that's that's the plan, right? There's just enough for two. And so then Elijah shows up, right? And he's like, Hey, um, could you, could you spare some food?' And she's like, mm, not really., <laughs> uh, sir, look, no offense, but we we literally have enough to feed the two of us and then we're gonna die. That's the plan. Um, and he, you know, he's a prophet of God. She's a devout woman. So she's like, okay. And again, this part I'm about to say right now is not in the scriptures. This is me putting myself in her shoes and thinking this must have been what was going through her mind. This is gospel according to Donica. Um, and so my thought is that she went, okay, I'm going to feed the prophet. I'm going to make him his food first and there will be enough to feed my son. There'll be enough to feed one more and I'm going to feed my son because I'm a mom and that's what I do. And so when she gave up the food, I don't think that she was giving up food for her son. I genuinely believe that when she thought that there was not going to be enough, she, she knew there was going to be enough for two because that's how much she had seen in there, right? She knew there was going to be enough for two and her plan was now feed the prophet Use the remaining portion because it'll only be enough for one, right? If we have enough for two and we give one away, we only have enough left for one. Um, and I'm gonna give that to my son, and then I will die. And at least my son won't be alone, he'll be with the prophet, right? Like, that's that's the logic I think that was happening there. That she was willing to sacrifice herself, literally sacrifice herself with her very last meal, what she thought was going to be her last meal, to ensure um that the prophet and her son get one more day. Um obviously that's not the way the story goes, right? We know that when she makes the meal for um the prophet, she goes back and there's enough for two enough for her and her son now. Um blessing her in that beautiful way. And I just think how many times have we kind of made the mom move, right? Where we're like, okay, I'm gonna sacrifice this thing in because I feel like that's what God wants me to do. It's going to keep my kids on the right course. And we live in a world and I'm not I, I want to be tender about the way that I say this. We live in a world that's very much like, "Mom, you deserve it. You do what you want. Forget the kids." Da 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 da, da right? Um and I and again, not to, like you don't need to be this self-sacrificing martyr. to the point where you're neglecting yourself, you're neglecting your well-being, your physical, mental health, all the things, well-being. I don't think that that's what Heavenly Father wants for us at all. But I do think that there are times where we have a plan. We have the way things are going to go, right? Mom has set up. This is what's going to happen for the day. And Heavenly Father's like, listen, honey, I got other plans for you. And I need you to trust me, but I need you to be willing to give up your to-do list. I need you to be willing to give up, um, your plan for today. I need you to be willing to give up this ideal of what you think motherhood should look like and trust me and give yourself to this, to my prophet, give yourself to the savior and give yourself to your kids. And I promise that way it, it, it's going to work out in the end. Um, and so, I think that, you know, we, we get caught up, I think a little bit, I know I do in the whole self care and taking care of yourself thing. And again, I'm not saying you should be neglecting yourself, that you should be this martyr who never showers and never eats a proper meal and is just spends all day cleaning because that's what society says you should do. I'm not saying that at all, um, but I am saying that there will be times When heavenly father will ask you, Hey, I need you to sacrifice this thing. Um, because I've got a bigger plan for you. And sometimes that thing is just what we thought motherhood is supposed to look like, what we thought, um, we wanted, right? Okay. So, um, last kind of thing I want to talk about. So this is, we're in chapter 18. Verses twenty-three and thirty-nine, and then also chapter nineteen, verses eleven through twelve. And we have these two kind of like um examples. We have these two examples of communication, right? On the one hand, on the chapter eighteen hand, um, we have the two bullocks on altars, right? And uh Elijah comes in and he's like, hey. All right, you want to do this? Let's do this. You say that Baal is your god? Fantastic. Um, Here is a sacrifice to him. It's on this wooden altar. Um, Why don't you guys, you raise your hands to the ceiling or to the sky and have have your god set that puppy on fire. Go ahead. Let's do it. Let's see it, right? And so, obviously, (laughs) they spend a lot of time crying aloud and cutting themselves and all these things and nothing happens. And then we have um, Elijah who's like, hey, who has water? Do you guys have water? Let's dump massive amounts of water on this. So it's dripping, soaking wet. That There's like, it's literally pooling up. There's a moat around it. It's so much water. This wood is not even a little bit dry. And then he's like, Heavenly Father, could you light this up? And he like, poof, right? So we have this big, grand gesture of like, Obviously, this happened, right? We have the juxtaposition of no light, light, right, on on the chapter eighteen side of things, big, huge, grand gesture, and then we have the chapter nineteen side of things, verses t- um, 11, 12, where Jezebel, who is all about ball, right, and the fact that this didn't work out for her. Um, now Elijah's running for his life and he's feeling a little alone, feeling like nobody's there. Um, and the Lord, there's, um, like a storm and there's fire, there's lightning, there's all these things, these really big, loud things. And Elijah does not find his voice in those things. And then he sa- finds I this still small voice and it's quiet and it's close and it's gentle. And we have this juxtaposition of how Heavenly Father communicates with his children, right? Big, loud, grand gestures, and then quiet, still, small voice. I think more frequently than not, we, particularly people who are struggling to find um, God who are doubting his existence, are looking for the big, grand gesture um, when more frequently than not, he communicates to us in a small, quiet voice. And here's why I think he does this. Again, this is gospel according to Donica. In my very brief seven years of parenting, um, I've read many much parenting books. And one of the things that many of them talk about is how yelling doesn't really work, right? Like the big loud things don't really work unless your kid is already paying attention to you, Right. Um, and, and sometimes they're necessary. I'm not going to, I'm not going to dog them. I'm definitely a mom that yells sometimes it it happens, um, particularly when it's something dangerous or like I'm far away. Okay. But I found that when I want my kids to listen to me getting down and getting quiet and near them and being, like, Hey, Julia, I need you to listen. Mom needs, mom needs to communicate something with you right now. I need to talk to you and being quiet actually is more likely to get her to listen because she has to be quiet in order to hear what I'm saying. And so that kind of triggers that. Not every time, not every time, right? There are a lot of people who don't hear the still small voice. There are a lot of people, um, my kids do not listen to it every single time, but a lot of the time, if I remember to take that approach, I get a positive response. And I think that heavenly father is the same way where when he gets still and quiet with us and he's able to communicate with us through the Holy ghost in that still small way, he's able to touch us in a way that the big, loud, grand gesture might miss, um, And that's kind of what I've got for you guys today. Um, Kind of pay attention to the different ways that Heavenly Father communicates to you. And if you're not sure, I recommend praying, asking him, hey, how how do you talk to me? And then pay attention. That's the biggest thing. Pay attention. And then this is the extra important part. Write it down. Write it down because I guarantee there will be another time that we'll be like, I don't remember how he talks to me. And then you can go read that. So I'll talk to you next week.